So one of the things that Christians often wrestle with is knowing God's will for their lives. You ever wrestled with that? I have, we all have. It's like, what is God's will for my life? And it's a noble concern to have because it, it reveals the heart of somebody who truly wants to be in God's will. If you're wrestling with it, that's a good thing. Now, it's my personal conviction, and I'm going to save this for another sermon series, and I need to do a sermon series on this. It's my personal conviction that Christians often overcomplicate the issue of knowing God's will. And the reason I say this is it really boils down to one thing. If you want to know God's will, read God's word. Amen? Read God's word. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 says this, Finally then, brothers, we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is God, the will of God, your sanctification. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Folks, it doesn't get any more clear than that for you and me. Now, if you're not familiar with that word sanctification, sanctification simply means to be made holy. To be set apart is to be sanctified. You're set apart. You're made holy for the purposes of God. That is his will for you and me, for everyone who believes. And the reason that is so important is because one of the main ministries of the Holy Spirit in this lifetime is that of sanctifying God's people. So church, it's my honor to take you to the Word of God. I want to show you two passages that talk about the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Hear the Word of God this morning. The first passage is 2 Thessalonians 2.13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the firstfruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Peter says it this way, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling of his blood. Amen. Let me ask you a question this morning. Why do we call the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit? Why don't we refer to the Father as the Holy Father? or the Son as the Holy Son? Well, it's certainly not because the Holy Spirit is somehow more holy than the Father and the Son. They are all perfectly holy, right? Okay, yeah, that's an easy Bible. That was a softball question. You should say right on that one. As a matter of fact, I've said this before, holiness, holy is the only attribute of God mentioned three times in a row in Scripture. Nowhere is he called love, 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 or good, good, good. But he is called holy, holy, holy. Isaiah chapter 6, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of the robe filled the temple. And before him uh, flew the seraphim, and they cried to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. It's the only attribute of God mentioned three times in Scripture, but it is specifically ascribed to the Holy Spirit. Why is that? Well, the reason, or at least one of the reasons, seems to be that it has to do with his function within the Godhead in relation to the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is the one that specifically has the job of sanctifying God's people. So we would say within the Trinity, the Father sends, the Son saves, and the Holy Spirit sanctifies. As a matter of fact, I did a series a while back on the names of God, and one of the names of God in the Old Testament is what? Jehovah Makedesh, the God who sanctifies. He's the God that takes broken, messed up people, and he makes them beautiful. This is what God does. 
So when we speak of the Holy Spirit, we can call him Jehovah Makedesh, the God who sanctifies, the one who sets apart. Now, let me tell you why this is so incredibly important. This is going to be the crux of everything I'm going to say today. So make sure to get this. Mankind's natural tendency is to prioritize not his holiness, but his happiness, right? On top of that, society only fuels this by encouraging us to do this very thing. What is the goal of the American dream? It is to be healthy, wealthy, and left alone. <laughs> Amen? Is that not the goal of the American dream? Healthy, wealthy, and leave me alone. <laughs> and while there isn't necessarily anything wrong about pursuing that which makes us happy, there's nothing wrong inherently about going, hey, this makes me happy. I want to pursue it. Some of you love this. Some of you love that. What is important to know is that we who are God's children have to recognize that we have a higher calling, a greater priority than just our personal happiness. That higher calling is specifically to be holy as God is holy. Amen? 1 Peter 1, 5 and 16 says, 15 and 16 says, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Not some of it, all of it. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am am holy. Listen, it is the Holy Spirit's desire to sanctify you through and through every area of your life. And you want to know why that's important? Because for many of us, we go, Lord, you can have 99%. Sanctify me, but just not this area over here. Whatever this little area is over here, it might be my love of money. It might be my anger. It might be my pride. It might be something else, but Lord, you can have it all. Just don't touch this. No, he wants all of it. Oswald Chambers once said this, holiness, not happiness, is the chief end of man. As Christians, we cannot lose sight of this. One of the main reasons the Holy Spirit is in your life right now is to make you holy. And you want to know why it's so dangerous when we lose sight of this? Here's why. Because too many Christians can become disillusioned with God when he fails to give them what they think will make them happy, as if they're somehow missing out on the good life. But folks, biblically speaking, the good life isn't when God gives you everything you want. The good life is when the Holy Spirit conforms you into the person that God intends you to be. Amen? Amen. And so you might look at that person over there and go, why is God giving them all of that stuff over there? They have everything I want. Why am I not getting that, God? Are you mad at me? What is the deal? No, he's sanctifying you. And he knows that if he gave you those things, it might not be good for you. And likewise, that person over there is looking at you going, well, why don't I have what they have? Listen, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. You want to know who the richest people in the world are? Those who are holy and those that are content. That's it. I'm telling you right now, the most content person or people you will ever meet is the person that is sold out for the Lord and is content. You want to know who the most miserable people are? They're the people that know they have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. They're looking at the world going, I want that, but I know, God, that you're doing this over here. But even though you're doing this over here, I really want what's over there. They're miserable. Know why the Holy Spirit has been given to you. He's been given to you to sanctify you, to sanctify me. Now, one of the things you must understand about the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work in our life is this. It is both a beautiful and painful process. It's a beautiful process. I already said it because the Holy Spirit takes people like you, like me, who once delighted in the things of this world and the ways of this world, who were broken, messed up, and enslaved to sin, and he works in such a way to set us free and cause us to delight in things that we never thought we would delight in, like righteousness and holiness and goodness. 
But this is exactly why sanctification is sometimes such a painful process. And here's why. For most Christians, especially newer Christians, we have become so accustomed to walking in the darkness that when the light is shined into our lives, it's scary and foreign to us. The late, great Dr. R.C. Sproul said, the holiness of God is traumatic to unholy people. Is it not? Many of you can attest to this because you're Christians, you're sold out for the Lord, and when you go to the family reunion, everyone's uncomfortable because you're there. It is because you're living for the Lord, and they feel that, they sense that. The holiness of God is traumatic to unholy people. But back just to us, when we're guarding one little area and we're like, God, you can have 99% of my life, but this one area, it's mine. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Oh, really? Where is that in the Bible? <laughs> the Holy Spirit sanctifies his people. The Holy Spirit can teach an old dog new tricks. Amen? And so it's a painful process because the Holy Spirit taps us on the shoulder and it's like, hey, I want you to give that to me. And we're like, no, 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 no. This is mine. I love it. I love it. It's my little thing. Please don't touch it. I can't live without it. And because of this, we get into some crazily, crazy wrestling matches with the Holy Spirit. And anyone who's a believer here for any length of time, you know when the Spirit starts to sanctify you and you're holding on to whatever it is he's trying to take from you or to, to remake in you, those wrestling matches can be brutal. Amen? Do I hear an amen on that? Amen. Yes. But here's the deal. If you're a true believer, that is not a wrestling match you will win. You just won't. And that is why when the Spirit starts convicting us of sin, the smartest thing that we can do as believers is yield ourselves as soon as possible and as much as possible. As soon as possible and much as possible. Say, Lord, he taps you on the shoulder and says, it's time to give that up. And as hard as it might be, we go, okay, I'm going to lay it on the altar and I'm going to walk away. And you know what you're going to realize in that moment? I can live without that. I'm actually better off without that. As a matter of fact, it feels like I've been set free from that. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Who are the richest people in the world? Godly people who are content. Who realizes that when the Holy Spirit taps on you and says, lay that on the altar, and you lay it on the altar, you realize, oh my gosh, I'm more free than I've ever been. I'm more happy than I've ever been. Thank you, Lord, for your sanctifying work in my life. By the way, the Holy Spirit isn't just content with some sanctification in your life. His goal is to sanctify you through and through. This is why the Apostle Paul says things like this. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. Say that word with me. Completely. And may, the, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the reason I bring this up is because while we might be perfectly content with where we are, right? Look at how spiritual I am. I'm amazing. I'm really content and happy where I'm at. I'm just, I'm pleased where I'm at. Listen, don't expect the Holy Spirit to be content with you being content with just where you are. Unless you have reached a state of spiritual perfection, and oh, by the way, does anyone want to raise their hand right now and tell us they're spiritually perfect? Anyone at all? I didn't think so. Unless you're spiritually perfect, which none of us are, be ready because the Holy Spirit's plan, his goal for your life is to sanctify you completely through and through. Now, here's the hard part about what I'm going to say. Don't be surprised to find that the Holy Spirit regularly, find him in your life regularly testing you, refining you, pruning you, and breaking you. 
See, many Christians in America especially, we want American Christianity. That is, I want a carefree life. I want the American dream Christianity. I want to be healthy, wealthy, and left alone. And so as a result, when difficulties come into our lives, we want to get past them as quickly as possible. Not realizing that those very difficulties might be there and are there for the very purpose of sanctifying us. So often when the difficulties arise, we want to get past them as quickly as possible when what we should really want is to learn and grow from them as much as possible. You realize that everything that is going down in your life is by God's design. Every trial, every difficulty, everything that passes across your plate doesn't pass by accident. It's there for a reason. And wisdom would tell us, okay, God, you brought this into my life. What are you going to do with it? Is it here to humble me, to break me, to refine me? Maybe I'm being tested and I don't even realize it. It makes me wonder how many times God tests me and I don't even realize it. It's incredible. Listen, I might be more godly than I was five years ago, but I certainly don't want to be this godly five years from now. I want to go, hopefully five years from now, if, when you, if, if I don't see you for five years and you meet me, you go, Bill, I've seen growth in you and I've seen you mature and I see your love for the Lord deepened. But I know in order to get where I need to be spiritually, I need to be prepared for the Holy Spirit to do what he needs to do. The Holy Spirit is working in some of your lives right now and you don't even realize it. He's brought trials and difficulties and things into your life and you're not recognizing it for what it is. He is refining you. He's making you more godly. He's doing something in your life. And you're going, well, I look at everyone around me. They don't have any trials or difficulties. Don't worry about them. Just know that God is working on you. And that thing that's in your life right now is there for a reason. Now, if you want to see great examples of the Holy Spirit sanctifying people, just read your Bible. All of the people that we consider to be heroes of the faith, both in the Old and New Testament, were not always spiritual giants. They were flawed, frail, often very insecure individuals. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, they became the people that we know and love today. You know the list. Abraham was a liar. Moses was a murderer. Gideon was insecure. David was an adulterer. Peter was a denier. Thomas was a doubter. Even the Apostle Paul, who seemingly was a spiritual giant from the moment he became a Christian, it's like I've never seen anybody go from becoming a Christian to a spiritual giant in a matter of a few days, but, you know. But even the Apostle Paul, who seemingly was a giant from the very get-go, grew and increased in strength. But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. When Paul first started out, he was strong, but not as strong as he could be or should be, but by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, he became a formidable force in the first century, so much so that in one generation, 12 disciples, the Apostle Paul turned the Roman Empire, the greatest world empire that the world has ever seen until us, <laughs> turned it on his head in one generation. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What's really interesting is if you read the New Testament, you notice that the early church was really messed up. Just read the book of Corinthians. Just read the seven churches in the book of Revelation. The early church was messed up. And you know what? It's easy for me, living 2,000 years later, to cast stones at the early church. But do you want to know why the early church was so filled with, had so many problems in it? It's because many of these churches were filled from wall to wall with new believers who were just starting out being sanctified. And it makes me appreciative that I can come to a church that's filled with people that are godly and holy, that have matured in their faith. Amen. Praise God for a church like this and churches like this across the world where you can go and there's people at all different levels. 
I love seeing new believers when they, when they come into our presence. I'm like, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. But man, I praise God for the, I've been walking with the Lord for 37 years now, since 1987. A lot of people go, that's impressive. Not in this church, it's not. There are some of you that have been walking with the Lord 60, 70, 80 years. There's some of you, I think you're like 130 years old. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Remember, the, the New Testament church is a perfect example of the Spirit sanctifying the bride of Christ. Listen to this passage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So ladies, I'm going to do you a favor right now. This is a freebie. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Don't tell me you love your wife and you're willing to die for her if you're not willing to open the car door for her. Amen? <laughs> ladies, you can thank me later. <laughs> but here's the point. Listen to what the Spirit what God is doing to the church, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present her, present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Folks, that's good news. You want to know why? Because it's a reminder that sanctification is a lifelong process. Even the heroes of our faith had to undergo it. You want to know what's funny? Many of us here today, when we read the Bible, we go, I could never be like Abraham or Moses or David. I could never reach to the level of the Apostle Paul. Forgetting that the Holy Spirit's goal isn't to conform you into the likeness of Abraham, David, or Paul. The goal of the Holy Spirit is to conform you into the image of his son. If you've got Abraham as your goal, it's too low. God is conforming you and I not into the image of David, Abraham, Paul, or any of these guys. He is conforming us into the image of his son. Attaining to the heights of Abraham, David, and the apostle Paul is not the goal. It never has been. It never will be. Jesus is the standard. It always has been. It always will be. You want to know the craziest part about it all? Is the Holy Spirit will not fail to sanctify us perfectly. That's what the Bible says. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I got to be honest with you. If God's word didn't promise this, I would have a hard time believing it. But the truth is, it's inescapable. Those whom the Holy Spirit begins to sanctify eventually become fully sanctified. You know, many Christians think the most amazing part of heaven is going to be that we're in a new heaven and a new earth or that we get resurrection bodies. But I think the most amazing part about heaven is that everyone, listen to me, everyone, you and me alike, are going to be perfectly holy in thought, deed, and action. Try wrapping your mind around that. And by the way, you get a little taste of it when you're in a healthy church around healthy Christians. And you're going, wow, this is great. This is a healthy church. There's healthy Christians. You're getting a taste of heaven right then and there. But if you're like me, I have faith that God can sanctify all of you completely and you'll never sin in heaven, but I have doubts about me. I'm like, if there's one guy that's going to figure out a way to sin in heaven, it'll be me. Is anybody with me on that? Do I, am I the only guy that feels like he's going to mess it up when he's in heaven? Yeah. And so it's like, I have faith for you guys. I'm like, oh, he can do it for you, but I don't know that he can do it for me because I know me and I know how weak I can be. But the fact is, He's not going to fail to, to transform us and conform us into the image of his son. Now, when I begin to wrap things up, here's something very important you have to understand about the Holy Spirit's role in our sanctification. It is not an entirely passive process. In other words, the scripture tells us we have a part to play. 2 Peter 1 says this, For this very reason, make every effort... 
That is a command to you and me to supplement your faith with virtue, with virtue, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. In other words, now that God has mercifully saved you, make every effort as he seeks to sanctify you. Another verse that speaks to this very point is in Philippians. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, remember last week we talked about the Holy Spirit's work in regenerating us? He causes us to go from a place of spiritual death to spiritual life. That's entirely passive. That's by the grace of God. You contribute nothing to your salvation but the sin that made it necessary. Amen? You contribute nothing to your salvation but the sin that makes it necessary. That's regeneration. But in sanctification, we are called to make every effort and to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But you know what's so interesting about this Philippians passage? You know what the very next sentence says, very next verse? For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In this one verse, we see the believer being exhorted to do your part, to do our part, At the same time, we're told the Holy Spirit's going to do his part. And this really helps us from letting the pendulum swing too far in that direction or too far in this direction. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. There's a teaching out there that says, let go and let God. And the idea here is any mention by a preacher or teacher of obedience or striving after godliness or growing in holiness or making every effort, that's legalism. People will accuse me of being a legalistic preacher if I tell you, work out your salvation or strive to add to your faith these godly characteristics. The danger, of course, is the person that buys into this develops an excessively passive understanding of the sanctification process to the point where they're just like, okay, I'm going to let go and let God do your thing. I'm not going to do anything. And, uh, and these people are often afraid of being accused of being legalistic. And so it's like that, that's the, the worst thing you can call somebody. But here's the kicker. The flip side of that coin is the preacher who says it's all on you. This is the preacher who teacher lets the pendulum swing too far in the other direction, always stressing it's about you. And you want to know which, you can probably guess which side I let the pendulum swing to. Yeah, I'm over here. I'm the type of preacher. I'm like, come on, guys, we can do it. Let's go. It's all, you know, if I let the pendulum swing anywhere, if you're new to the church, I let it swing over here. And so I have people tapping me on the shoulder after the service, and they're like, hey, don't forget to mention God. Don't forget to mention the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, you're right. Thank you. So my point is, is you'll find preachers and teachers that will let the pendulum come all the way over here or let it go all the way over there. But the biblical, the biblical understanding of sanctification is the Holy Spirit has his part, and we have ours. But see, this whole discussion boils down to one thing, and it is this. What is your number one priority for your life? Because I can tell you the Holy Spirit's number one priority for your life. God's will is your sanctification. Period, end of sentence. And I have a simple question for you this morning. Is your number one priority for your life in line with the Holy Spirit's priority for your life? And if it's not, why not? Because I got news for you. If it's not, that is a recipe for you being one of the most frustrated people in this church and on this planet today. Who are the most, who are the richest people in the world? The godly and the content. The godly and the content. This is what it boils down to. 
If you're not in line with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life, you run the risk of being angry, frustrated, confused, discouraged, and here's the worst part, even bitter at God. God, you didn't give me what you gave other people. God, you brought these trials into my life, and I don't know why they're here. No, they're there. We know, we know why they're there. We know why everything is in your life and in my life. It is there to sanctify us and make us holy. Romans 8 says this, and we know that for those that love God, all things work together for good. That is your spiritual good. That is your spiritual growth, your spiritual holiness. That is what the promise of the scripture is talking about. By the way, R.C. Sproul said, if you're going to base your life off any one verse in the Bible, base it off this one, that everything that God is doing in your life is for your spiritual good. Amen? So folks, I finished with a very simple question today. What is the number one priority for your life? Because I can tell you the Holy Spirit's number one priority for your life. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come before you and we thank you, God, that you are a God that sanctifies us. You take broken people that are enslaved to sin and we love the darkness and you, you shine your light upon our lives and you set us free and you cause us to grow and to change. And God, I pray that you would just move mightily in this congregation and everybody listening online as well, God, that you would uh, continue just to make us a sanctified, holy people in this generation. God, the... When, when the call is that the church needs to be more like the world, we read the Bible and we realize, no, we need to be exactly the opposite of the world. We need to be people set apart and sanctified holy for you. God, may we be bold and courageous as we live for you. We know we'll be persecuted for it. God, we know that people will hate us for it. God, give us eyes to see that the things that you bring into our life are there for a reason. And God, that we might learn and grow for them. So as we go now, we go in the strength and power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And everybody said with me, amen. Hey, nobody get up real quick. Listen, don't miss next week. Next week, we're going to talk about discerning between the spirits. How do you know if something is truly of the Holy Spirit or not? Whatever you do, do not miss that message. God bless you. We'll see you out on the plaza. Have a great day.